Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Emily Tampkin, and you're listening to World Review from the New Statesman, a twice-weekly international news podcast. Every Wednesday, we come together to unpack some of the most significant stories in world affairs. And every Monday, we interview a guest for their unique perspective and expertise. But today, we actually have a special episode of the World Review. I'm speaking with Tomas Hendrik Ilbus. He wears many hats, one of which is the former president of Estonia. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Emily. There's obviously a lot to talk about regarding Russia's horrible war in Ukraine. For years, one has heard from whatever you want to call it, Eastern Europeans, Northeastern Europeans, Central Eastern Europeans, the sense that those from so-called Western Europe didn't take security concerns seriously enough, perhaps had some condescension to Russia's more immediate neighbors about the threat posed by Russia. If you agree with that assessment, if you think that Western Europe did not take seriously enough the concerns by Russia's neighbors, do you think that this has marked a turning point? Well, time will tell. We may just be dealing with uh, the immediate reaction when the previous positions of countries such as Germany and France became simply untenable ethically and morally, having basically dismissed and poo-pooed Central and Eastern Europeans for years made light of the concerns of those who actually had empirical evidence as opposed to wishful thinking and, you know, blissful recollections of listening to Tchaikovsky and reading Dostoevsky, whose ideas and understanding of Russia were formed by that. And as I said, primarily by wishful thinking. Whereas the countries that actually experienced this had experienced these things in the past. And also, which is important to note, were treated very differently by Russia as opposed to the rather psychophantic sucking up that you saw it toward Germany and other countries. So that there was a difference in experience as well. But clearly, these countries were not listened to. What have you made of the European and American response to the war thus far? Well, I guess the most dramatic three days after the beginning of the war on the 24th of February is the so-called Zeitwende, the Germans, with Olaf Scholz's rather dramatic speech before the Bundestag on a Sunday, no less. On the other hand, it's already petering out, or at least being attenuated, a lot of walking back. Well, you know, when it comes to energy, we really can't do anything because it would affect the economy so much. 
We're now 23 days into the war, entering the fourth week. If anything, we see that the Russians, having failed so miserably, or perhaps only run out of precision weapons, are resorting to mass destruction, indiscriminate killing, both at the individual level of simply targeting civilians and shooting them. I just saw a horrible video of 10 civilians that had been shot. I've seen videos of tanks just targeting a man walking and blowing him up. And then, of course, the mass bombing and that we saw just the other day in Mariupol with the shelter that was marked children that mm -hmm. was purposefully bombed. This is a war of uh, extermination today. And I certainly would think that countries like Germany might be a little more sensitive to wars of extermination. How long it will last? I don't know. I do hope that it does last because it's clear that there are those who are itching to get back who at the first sign of any kind of change will say, okay, now let's dispense with the sanctions. Right. This is not the case. And so we shall see. I think what is notable has been the the role of the United States and President Biden, which is a welcome side. I think one of the reasons why we ended up where we are is that Putin misread Biden, both with the Afghanistan withdrawal, as well as just the fact that he was uh, he's a nice guy. For a thug like Putin, being a nice guy means he's weak. Mm -hmm. I can exploit him. And this was the wrong way to go, actually. On the other hand, what I have found has really annoyed me. Naren is allowing the Russians to set the agenda. I understand when people say we can't really do a no-fly zone because of the possible response. On the other hand, reacting to what Putin says that, oh, he said we can't do it. We won't do it. There's a big difference right. between not doing a no-fly zone or saying, oh, oh we, he said we can't. We cannot go into an independent country that we consider a friend and we will listen to the Russians who are invading that country. That is an absurd, ridiculous response. Those are things you don't talk about. Okay, don't do a no-fly zone if you're seriously concerned about the potential for conflict. Acquiescing to Russian demands on a third country basically says you have a droit de regard. You are tacitly giving the Russians a zone or sphere of influence in the tactical space. No, that is really dumb. And I mean, the whole thing was repeated with the whole saga with the jets. Right. Again, I mean, you do what you do or you don't do what you don't do, but you do not make public statements saying that we can't do this because this might offend the Russians. I don't understand. Do they understand what it's about? No, they don't clearly, which is... For all the firepower of the United States and other allies, a little more sensible response in articulating the response would be very much in order. For as much as the Russians and specifically Putin have been able to set the agenda, they clearly misread Ukraine and Ukrainians. I don't mean to romanticize anything about this war, including the Ukrainian response, but it has clearly been more robust than Russia thought it would be. Why do you think they got this as wrong as they did? There are, there are a number of factors. First of all, there's the inherent racism of Russians towards Ukrainians. They're country bumpkins and they're slow and dumb and we'll just go in there and they'll all run away. That's like the starting point. And that's been a part of my letter. See a little Russia 
has been a trope, as you well know, in Russia for centuries. So that's already the starting point. Secondly, the sort of the jingoistic braggadocio of the current regime goes even beyond that, not only with respect to Ukraine, but the various news shows. Oh, we'll just go drive to the Atlantic. We're going to now finally take over. I mean, this kind of like chess beating bizarreness. Mm -hmm. The third thing is corruption. I mean, we read that Mr. I mean, whatever his rank is, General Becerra, who ran the fifth service of the FSB, which is this bizarre service. The FSB is not supposed to operate outside the territory of the Russian Federation, but this one does. And their task for the past several years has been to plant the seeds of disruption and sabotage and the overall sort of sowing the field to be ripe for local uprisings. And they spent a lot of money, $5 billion on this, except none of it got there. Mm. So I assume knowing the Russian way of doing things, Beseda is going, yes, we've been spending money on this. We're, we're all ready to go. The people will rise up. And then it turns out that no, they didn't devote the last several years and $5 billion to create a fifth column and to do all of that. Instead, it turns out that the combination of all of that, no money and their own sort of braggadocio and their overall dismissal of Ukrainians has created a situation that they didn't know what was happening. They didn't read the street, as it were. There was one report that they had expected somewhere between 30 and 50% of Ukrainians to defect to Russia. But just even if you think that some percentage is going to, it's not going to be half of the army. Well, again, this is the uh, you know advice given to drug dealers. Don't use your own stuff. Don't use the stuff you're selling. And this is clearly what happened. This re rhetoric about Russian speakers, they do not understand that in any of these countries, not just Ukraine, but just as much Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, a Russian speaker does not make you into a, a supporter of Russia. I mean, if people don't understand that, then think of how many English speakers in Ireland will rise up to demand to join the United Kingdom. They don't do your first language or your primary language is rarely an indicator of your political allegiance. So there have been some who have said that Russia, if not stopped here, or even if stopped here, will go into the Baltic states. We had one of your successors on the podcast, uh, President Karis, on the podcast last week, who basically said, nope, we're in NATO, not worried about it. Do you share that assessment? Yes, there are two aspects to this. One is that people have to understand NATO. I mean, even in my own country, they don't quite get it. It's like, yeah, we're a small country. Let's think back to West Berlin, right? West Berlin could have been basically swallowed up in 45 minutes. But you don't do that because Article 5 means doing anything to any of these places, be it West Berlin, Estonia, or United States. That will trigger Article 5, and Omsk-Tomsk, and as Nabokov said, Atomsk, will all be at risk at that moment. So from the Russian side, you don't think about, oh, we'll just take it. Because as soon as you're in NATO, it's like, if we take it, we will have all of NATO mm -hmm. to deal with. And that's really the main thing. Uh, now, the other side of this, it really is time to get rid of the NATO-Russia founding act 
from 1997, so 25 years ago, which NATO has abided by, which says that no permanent stationing of troops or materiel in countries that have joined since 1999. Now, what does that mean? Basically, we have troop rotations of a small number of troops in all of these countries from other NATO allies. No real forward prepositioning of uh, military equipment. So basically, we are voluntarily tying one hand behind our back while the Russians have so blatantly been violated. So it's time to just trash, bin, throw out, and declare null and void the NATO-Russia Founding Act because it means nothing if only one side abides by it and the other one is committing genocide. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman in digital, in print, or both from as little as £1 a week. That's 12 weeks for just £12. That's €1 a week in Europe and just $2 a week in America. Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. From the New Statesman World Review comes France Elects, a special podcast series exploring the main candidates and the big issues shaping the campaign to be France's next president. I'm Ido Vok, and over the next two months, I'll be joined by special guests to dissect incumbent Emmanuel Macron's record, his rivals to the right and left, and key issues such as foreign policy and the climate. Just search World Review on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One of the incredible things to my mind is that Ukraine is able to, so far, just to remain online, which means that it's been able to counter Russian disinformation, which means that Ukrainian President Zelensky has been able to let his people know that he's still there, has been able to connect with other world leaders, that Ukrainians have been able to get information out. You, President, during the first major DDoS attack on another country, believed to be by Russia. And, and there were cyber attacks on Ukraine before Russia launched its, its all-out invasion. So I guess... What combination of factors do you think has allowed Ukraine to remain as resilient in this one space as it has? 
Well, the first one is the utter failure of the Russian communication system, which has led them to use the Ukrainian mobile phone network, which is one reason why all these major generals are finding their end fairly quickly, because you can spot them, right? I mean, same principle as your Google Maps when you're driving. It's like, it knows where you are because you are geolocated by your phone. And so then you know who to shoot. But the problem is if you're reliant on the same network as the Ukrainians, you can't shut it down because your own system was such an utter failure. I mean, they're not using a military network, whereas the other armies have their own network. So they're not reliant on that, on those systems. Secondly, through our efforts and other efforts, Ukraine has become quite resilient. There are things you can do to, to, uh, ameliorate the possible effects of a DDoS. And we do know that the Russians have done some, already in 2015, they shut down big swaths of the electrical grid in Ukraine. We, in fact, were the first responders on that one. We immediately flew down when that happened. But the problem is that the Russians also require the electrical grid. You need the same infrastructure. Uh, So I suspect that is the major reason why we have not seen big cyber effort on their part at this point. You referred to this as a genocide. There has been some debate as to whether or not that word is appropriate. I'm sure that there will continue to be debate. Mass killing. All right. I don't know. It's just, it's an easy word that comes to mind. I mean, I don't think there is a, any kind of uh, copyright on who gets to say mass indiscriminate extermination. The Biden administration has referred to Putin as a war criminal. There's going to be much more of this. I guess on that, obviously there's a military response right now. There are sanctions on, but on this sort of international criminal court, human rights law level, what do you think is appropriate and necessary moving forward? Well, as with the Nuremberg, on the one hand, to bring to justice the people responsible. So Putin, Shoigu, Bastrichin, the Narishkin, Patrushev, Lavrov, I mean, all of the people. But then all of the people below that, too, who actually implemented these policies. And then, of course, at the level of the um, perpetrators, we know the name of just about every soldier that is in there, because that's been hacked. We know who's there, and it can take years of investigation who was the person who ordered shooting 10 civilians in a breadline shot in you know, Mariupol by Russian soldiers? Who was there? You can figure all that out. Now, one of the things that I do find funny is this kind of um, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, now I see this um, bleating and whining about why did Biden say war criminal about Putin? Why is he personalizing? And then you have these other people or the same people say, it's not the Russian people. Frankly, it's both. Putin is not the one dropping the bomb on the shelter with the kids in it. He's the overall responsible for it. On the other hand, the individual war crimes are committed by individuals. We have to deal with both. I mean, I don't know. I'm getting tired of this. The Russian people are not to blame for this. Yeah, the Russian people as an abstract entity are not to blame for this. On the other hand, 71% support, maybe you're not like going to be liked very much. You know, you don't have a zip and hop 
which you have in Germany. Collective guilt, no, but on the other hand, you're not going to change the attitude of people toward Russians for decades and decades. I mean, Nina Khrushchev, the great-granddaughter of Nikita Khrushchev, just wrote a piece saying, this is going to be a stain for a century mm-hmm. on Russians, and that's going to be a big problem. But if you don't really do anything about it, that's inevitable. Finally, there's been so much written on this, so much coverage of this. What do you think we are still missing in the way in which we, including in our own conversation today, um, missing in our discussion of Russia's war in Ukraine? Giving like a thousand or eight thousand stingers is great, but stingers don't reach fixed wing airplanes that are doing bombing from way up. You need any aircraft missiles. Well, send them that. I mean, just arming Ukrainians Mm -hmm. better. More creative thinking, less talk. So entire discussions about do we or do we not allow the Poles to give these MiGs. The ludicrousness of this is actually exemplified in a movie from In the Darkest Hour, where Winston Churchill, played by whoever brilliantly played it, is on the phone. The other is FDR. And the Brits had bought like 250 Spitfires and paid for them. But FDR wouldn't send them to the Brits because they were past the law. And this is the height of the Battle of Britain. Britain's going to lose. Churchill's like, please, can you just take them over the border to Canada and we'll do the rest? And then FDR says, I'll tell you what. We could bring them to a mile of the Canadian border and you bring horses over and drag them across. This is the level at which we are. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we have these big discussions and we end up saying, no, we're not going to allow them to have these MiGs. Just leave them by the border. I mean, and don't say anything. Shut that up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, you can do things. Be creative. On that call for less discussion, I will end our discussion. Thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been the World Review from the New Statesman. You can read all our international coverage on newstatesman.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or even an enemy and rate us and leave us a nice review. The producer has been Mae Robson. Our team will be back next week. And I am Emily Tampkin. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.